And once again, welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Huddle, where we like to talk about lifestyle, entertainment, and sports, where less is more. I'm your host, Greg. Now, before I get started, I just want to talk about the weather today. I mean, uh, there's nothing more beautiful than summer in July in New York. I mean, the weather is so warm. The sky is so blue. It's like you just feel like driving the entire time to work with your windows down and, and, the, and the sunroof open. And then it's really too hot, and then you just wind up putting the windows up and put some AC on. But uh, it's such a beautiful day today. You know, in the end, I'd rather be hot than cold because cold hurts, you know. You stay outside, and it's like 20 degrees, and after a while, your body starts to hurt. But when it's like 90 degrees and you stand on the beach too long, I mean, as long as dehydrated, and I mean, hey, let's be honest, there's a lot of reasons to distract you of being hot when you're out on the beach. But I'd rather be hot than cold, you know? But anyway, moving right along. In today's episode, I'd like to talk about uh, Mr. Kawhi Leonard. He's definitely on the move, and I'm going to tell you where. Le'Veon, Mr. Ring My Bell. Le'Veon Bell. You won't believe how much money he turned down from the Pittsburgh Steelers and said, nah, I'm good, bro. And World Cup, let's put a bow on that. Exciting, but we got to finish that up. But first off, let's start in the league, where I can't say just in the league, but all the leagues, they play for pay. It's been reported by the San Antonio Spurs that they had traded forward Kawhi Leonard and guard Danny Green to the Toronto Raptors. And for the trade, they're going to receive DeMar DeRozan, Jacob Potal, and a protected first-round pick. So, initially, you know, when you have these NBA trades that go down, you look at who won and who lost. In my eyes, I think the Spurs won this trade. Um, I mean, they receive a solid player in DeMar DeRozan. Is he the player that Kawhi Leonard is? No. I mean, he's not an MVP caliber type of talent. He isn't the rebounding playmaker, defender that Kawhi is. But he does average, last year he put up 23 points per game, 5.2 assists per game, and 4 rebounds per game. So, I mean, although you may not be getting it in all-around production, offensively, DeMar DeRosa can get some buckets up, and he's a solid player. Now, with this protected first-round pick, I mean, look, that could be whatever, because when... Let's say next year when that draft comes up and the Spurs are eligible for that first-round pick. Now, what if they take their own pick coupled with this Toronto pick and they elevate in the draft to get a player that they really want? I mean, the Spurs are like the New England Patriots when it comes to this drafting biz. I mean, they've been drafted great players since the days of David Robinson, Tim Duncan. They drafted Tony Pacquiao. Manu Ginobili. They drafted him, too, from Argentina. They drafted Kawhi Leonard. So, I mean, they know how to draft talent, and they know what they're looking for when they're in the draft. So, for them to get a player and a draft pick, a first round at that, I mean, that's a win for me. And when you look at the Raptors, initially, I thought 
what in the world are the Raptors doing by trading a player like DeMar DeRozan? Not that he's great, but when you're talking about acquiring a Kawhi Leonard, he's already said he doesn't want to stay in Toronto. He really wants to be a Laker and that he's not going to do a Paul George and wait and see after the season and see what his options are and potentially he might resign with the team that he traded to. But then I thought to myself like this, you know what? Maybe this is Toronto's way of saying we're just blowing it up and we're just going to buy ourselves a year and figure out what we're going to do. Because at first I was thinking to myself, after a year, Kawhi Leonard is out of there. You're getting Danny Green. I looked at his contract situation. This is the last year of his deal. So, yeah, you might be able to re-sign Danny Green, but Kawhi is definitely out of there. And, I mean, this is what you would call, like, a glorified rebuild. I mean, they tried to, on draft night, get rid of the contract of Kyle Lowry, and nobody wanted that. I mean, you'd think you'd keep this team together because the only thing or the only person or the only team that has been their biggest Achilles heel has been the Cleveland Cavaliers. And whenever LeBron comes into town, it's no longer Toronto, it's LeBronto. But what LeBron in California, it doesn't look like their arch nemesis is going to be there. And that doesn't mean by default the Toronto Raptors are going to make it to the NBA Finals or make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But at least you can sit there going into the season saying, hey, look, whatever is whatever this year, we have a legit shot and we're confident. But, that, you know, at first I said, what are the Raptors doing? I don't get this trade. They're just giving away. It's, it's a glorified rebuild is what it is. They're not telling their, their, their uh, fan base that. But maybe next year, after next year's basketball season, their free agent pool, it's too early to talk about it now, but there's supposed to be some talent. So maybe they're going to be one of those teams that has a lot of money and that are capable of bringing in maybe a player or two. But the problem is, is this. Toronto's always had problems acquiring free agents because A, you're playing in Canada, and B, you get taxed twice as much because you're in another country. DeMar DeRozan didn't like being traded, but when he sees a couple extra bucks in his contract or in his paycheck, every time he gets paid, he's going to say, you know what? I didn't want to be here in San Antonio, but I'm going to treat myself to a treat because I got some extra money. I mean, if you look at the Raptors, they generally don't get big-time free agents. They get, like, a lot of role players, the players that are on their way down, and this is probably the last big check they're going to get. Or they you have to draft well. But we'll see what Toronto's going to do. But it looks like it's just a glorified rebuild for them at this point. Now let's talk about El Bell. Le'Veon Bell, or how I like to call him, Le'Veon, ring my bell, Le'Veon Bell. Now, NFL.com sources, that's my source, have reported that Mr. L. Bell has turned down a deal that was worth $70 million for over five years. Now, at first, you're like, $70 million over five years? What's wrong with that dude? But hey, look, according to Le'Veon Bell's agent, he wanted around $17 million a year. And this contract currently is $14 million a year. 
Le'Veon also wanted more guarantees in the contract. In this current contract, the first two years, $33 million are guaranteed, meaning that the rest of the money is not. So basically, he's signing a who-knows-how-many-year deal. It said over five from NFL.com. So basically, he's, he's committed for two years, but the rest of the years, it's not guaranteed. And he wanted more guarantees in that contract. Now, this is a problem that the NFL is going to have because you're going to have a lot of players at other positions that aren't wide receivers that want to get that wide receiver money. And frankly, I can't blame them. But the problem is, is this. The union has negotiated a contract where the collective bargaining agreement states that these guys' contracts are not guaranteed. I mean, when you see a lot of these NFL deals and you see, oh, seven years, $150 million, but it's the signing bonus money that's guaranteed. And like this contract with Le'Veon Bell, maybe the first two years are guaranteed. And the other five years, who knows what's guaranteed? Maybe like a base minimum of a couple hundred thousand and through incentives, it can be as much as. That's going to be a real problem. Because you've seen these wide receivers in this passing league making buco money. Now, Le'Veon Bell being a running back, He's a special talent. Last year, he was top five in rushing. But then he backed that up with 85 receptions out of the running back position. That's, that's all Madden for all my gamers out there. I mean, if you're a wide receiver, 85 receptions, that could lead to a Pro Bowl type of season. Le'Veon Bell had that, and he was running the ball too. So basically what he's saying is, look, I'm doing a couple people's jobs here, and I want to be financially compensated. But as we all know in the real world, you get paid for what your job title is. And all the other jobs that you do to help the company out is a thank you for the extra work that you do. You're securing job security. But you're going to be paid for your job title, not the other couple jobs that you do. We all have to keep in mind that this is a business. Yeah, we're fans and we're fanatical and we don't understand why these millionaire athletes are so greedy. I don't think he's being greedy. I get his point. Not that There, there aren't many running backs in the league that can produce the way that he produces. But this is a business. And at the crux of the problem is the collective bargaining agreement with these contracts. Now, if you look at it from a strictly business perspective... Let's take the angle of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Most NFL positions, you reach your prime years between the ages of 20 to 32. Why? Because that's when the mind matches the physical. Where you've made all the mistakes, you know physically how good you are, and mentally you know how to and what not to do on the football field. But you see, a running back's prime is different. Running back's prime is from day one of when he enters the league, which is around maybe 21, 22, maybe for another six, seven years. So you're looking at a guy where his prime years as a running back is 22 to 27. And Mr. Le'Veon Bell is 26 years old, everyone. Why you say, how is the running back position, the, uh, your prime is so early? Because it's the easiest position to transition to. It's a position where from college 
to the NFL, it's the easiest position to transition to. When you're a receiver, the routes are different. The combinations are different. The speed, the technique, understanding defenses, completely different. Quarterback, it's a different world. Offensive line, you're playing against world-class athletes. But when you're a running back in college, I'm going to give you the ball. They're going to block and go for, go get busy. In the NFL, I'm going to give you the ball. They're going to block and go get busy. Now, yeah, there are other skills involved. Le'Veon Bell brings in the ability to catch. You need to be able to pass, pass block, things of that nature. But at the crux of the position, you are a running back. And if you are a running back that is highly skilled, the transition is not going to be that hard. Look at guys like Ezekiel Elliott on, on the Cowboys or Kareem Hunt on the Kansas City Chiefs. Those guys came in and they just slid in like they've been. Ezekiel Elliott's playing like he's still back at Ohio State. Kareem Hunt didn't even go to a big-time college running over everybody in NFL like he's trying to go to the Hall of Fame. So Pittsburgh is looking at it from a perspective of this guy is basically at the end of his prime, although he's a special talent. But we could draft somebody to do what he does or get two or three guys to do what he does. Like I said, we got to think about this like a business. This is what happens in the real world, right? I mean, let's also look at some other Steeler options. They drafted a running back, James Conner, as Le'Veon's backup. So what if they tell James Conner, look, we're giving you an opportunity. <coughs> I don't have a cough button because, you know, we don't have a budget. <laughs> but uh, they tell James Conner, look, we're going to hand you the ball. Now run. Like in Forrest Gump. Run, Forrest, run. Let's tell James Conner, run, James, run. Well, what about DeMarco Murray? Remember him? Stud coming out of college from Oklahoma. Played on the Cowboys a couple years. Spent a little time with the Eagles. Spent the last couple years of his career with the Titans. Numerous thousand-plus-yard thousand seasons. And after seven years, he's hung the cleats up. But what if they give him a call and say, hey, look, you sure you, you, you want to stay retired? Why don't you come play with these Steelers, man? We might win the Super Bowl. Ah, come on, man. Come out of retirement. Or what about Adrian Peterson? He's a free agent. Yeah, Adrian. You sure you don't want to pad your stats a little bit to go into the Hall of Fame? Or better yet, hey, Adrian, we understand that you're the type of running back that wants to get the ball 20 to 25 times a game. And you want to be the focal point of the offense. And you want an offensive line that blocks for you. Why don't you come over here and play for us for a year or two? They could do that. So, I mean, I understand Le'Veon's angle, but the Steelers, they have a perspective, too. Now, Le'Veon is saying, and I don't know if he's going to do it, he's going to hold out of camp like he did last year, but now he said he's going to take it one step further and saying that he's not going to report till halfway through the season. Because when you're franchise tagged, which he is, you have to play a minimum amount of games and he said that he's going to come back and play or be active for those minimum amount of games. Now, basically what he's saying is, is that this is the last year I'm going to be with the Steelers because they can't franchise tag you so many years in a row. And the Steelers are at their max franchising Le'Veon Bell. See, in this, the sportsmanship aspect of this stinks because it's a business and Le'Veon Bell has to do his best for him. But, but what about all his teammates? 
What, what about all his buddies on the team that he's built relationships with? It's tough, man. You know? I always sign with the player, so I want Le'Veon to get his belt. To get his belt. <laughs> I want Le'Veon to get his money. But better yet, how about the union figure out a way on how to renegotiate this collective bargaining agreement so that the players can have a certain level of guaranteed money in these contracts? It's ridiculous, man. Now let's turn let's turn our our uh, attention internationally to the World Cup where Le Blue, also known as France, they beat Croatia 4-2 in the World Cup. Now, as expected, Croatia and France both played well. Croatia played their hearts out, played with the guile, the grit, and the guts that you expected. And France, with all those, with all that young talent, defensive speed, it was just at a point where it was just they just kept coming in waves, and Croatia was just a little bit too hard for them. Now, an own goal, unfortunately, by Croatia, opened up the floodgates and goals by France's young studs in Pogba and Mbappe kind of sealed the deal for the 4-2 victory. I mean, I will say this. It's a high-scoring World Cup match, but when it was 4-2 at around the 60-minute mark in the match, and you could see that Croatia, they were just playing all out, 100%. You were thinking to yourself, if Croatia could somehow make this 4-3, how interesting would the last 20 minutes of the match be with the walls closing in on France, knowing that they got to hold this lead? And Croatia, you know what they're capable of. They love extra time. they all about free soccer. But it didn't happen. And France, they took the World Cup. A couple interesting notes. The uh, manager or the coach of the French team, Mr. Dechamp or Dechamps, I didn't take French, French in high school, so I'm sorry if I'm not pronunciating or enunciating that correctly. He captained the 1988 World Cup team as a player that won the World Cup, and he's become the third player slash coach to win as a player and coach. That's pretty cool. And another note is is that Mr. Kylian Mbappe has become the first teenager since the great Pele of Brazil to score a goal in the World Cup as a 19-year-old. I mean, think about that. A teenager is Mbappe, and he scored a goal in the World Cup. I mean, he's just a baby, doesn't even know how good he is yet. And for the next couple of years, this guy is going to be a talent to watch in the French League, going back to play with PSG. And Neymar has said he's going to come back. So it's going to be real fun watching those two in action in the French League. But like I do with every episode, I want to end it with a positive quote. And I want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to listen to me. Today's positive quote is, a firm tree does not fear the storm. I'm going to say that again. A firm tree does not fear the storm. To me, that sounds like if you're steadfast in who you are and what you are, no matter what challenges may come your way, it doesn't matter because you know who's on your side. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.